Very good morning, church. Great to see each and every one of you. For those joining us online, a very good morning to you. Acknowledge your presence and thank you for joining us in this hour of worship. Well, we continue with our pulpit series on Abraham and Sarah. And finally, today, we get to the point where we will see God's promises being fulfilled with the birth of Isaac. Well, but while this is good news on one level, actually the reality is far more complex given the messiness of family. I'm not sure about you. Actually, my Chinese is quite bad, uh, quite cui in some sense. But at least I know these proverbs, these Chinese proverbs that goes like this. Jia jia you Well, if you're not familiar with this phrase, let me repeat to you. Jia jia Which means the reality is that every family has skeletons in our cupboard and it has its own shares of problems and mess. So come, let's listen and what the scripture text for us today has to say about this. Reading from Genesis 21. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. At the very time God had promised him, Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him, and as God commanded him, Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. The child grew and was weaned, and on the day Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast. But Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar, the Egyptian, had borne to Isaac was mocking. And she said to Abraham, Get rid of that slave woman and her son, for that woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son, Isaac. The matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son. This is the word of the Lord. Come, let's pray as we receive the word of the Lord. Father, as we hear your word, may we hear you so clearly. May we not just be hearers of the word, but we doers of the word. So give us that conviction, that belief to live out what your word says, because we are your child and you are our beloved Father. So Holy Spirit, be with us in this time as we hear your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, the wonderful news about this passage and really the big idea in this passage for us today is that we can look to God in the messiness of our lives. Right? As I mentioned just now in the family, it's a messy affair. Our family is messy. It's not so clear-cut. Right? Father, mother, son, daughter, grandchildren, okay, these are your clear roles. Nobody move. Nobody get out of that. Of that. It's not so clear as it is and it's a messy affair. If you recall the sermon last week by Justin, part of the mess in Abraham's and Sarah's lives was because they took matters into their own hands and Hagar bore bore Ishmael as a result. Yet part of the mess was really through no fault of their own. For Abraham and Sarah, they were barren and waited 25 years for Isaac to be born. And they waited for God's promise to be fulfilled. They waited for 25 years. When God called Abraham, he promised Abraham that he will make him a great nation that will bless the whole world. 
Then he repeatedly, God repeatedly promised to give the land of Canaan to Abraham's descendants and to multiply them greatly. Moreover, Abraham would be the father of his own son and Sarah would be the mother. So really, in reality, when Isaac was born, the birth of Isaac was a reminder that God keeps his promises, but he keeps it in his own way and in his own time. So really, the first lesson we can learn is God is able to work through the mess of our lives, of the lives of Abraham and Sarah. And it would be better if we have faith and patience in God because he does it in his own way. We need that faith and patience in him to see his promises come true in the first place. Right? So we need that faith and patience. As God's children, as we, wait for, as we wait for God's promises to be fulfilled, we need to have that faith. And when we see faith as a journey, right? As a journey, each destination is the beginning of a new journey. Each destination, the beginning of a new journey. So when God wants to build our patience, He actually allows trials to happen and He tells us to trust Him. Now, this is found in James chapter 1. Well, to illustrate, and since the Winter Olympics has just been completed, right, the athletes who have competed for these events, they train, they train really hard and they develop their skills through long and hard, long hours and hard practices before they even reach the big event. In fact, they have to go through many small competitions first. Right? Some they win, many they lose before they even reach the big event and some uh, will eventually win the Olympics. In the same way, God often teaches us that faith comes through the small trials in our lives first before we reach the big event. But here you must pause and not think of God as a sadistic God. You know, want to tekan us like the army in army where our sergeant or officers want to tekan us. But mustn't we mustn't think of God in that manner. Rather, we must understand that He is loving, a loving Father who wants to build tenacity and resilience in our lives. And as we overcome each trial, you know, it could be small trials, small trials, medium-sized trials, big trials, you know, we begin to develop stronger spiritual muscles of faith. Right? For those who go to the gym or exercise, you don't start off with 100 kg first to lift the weight. You start from uh, 5, 10, 15, and you progressively, progressively move to a bigger weight and heavier weights. Just like that, our faith needs to be developed, strengthened, and grow. Now, recent researchers, research has also shown that resilience and tenacity are some of the most important traits for success in a VUCA world, right? Which is volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. Really, that's the world that we live in right now. Messy in that sense, too. And of course, this is easier said than done, right? To have patience, tenacity, resilience, in, and have faith in God. It's easier said than done because imagine waiting 25 years like Abraham and Sarah. 25 years really is a long time for most of us, if not all of us. So for me, maybe after praying and asking God 25 minutes later, I will probably ask God, hey, hurry up, uh, after 25 minutes later. And if I'm in pain or discomfort, 25 seconds later, I will question, God, uh, where are you? Uh? The pain still there. Can quickly remove the pain that I'm feeling right now. So today's sermon is also a reminder for me to trust God through my own trials in my own life. Right? It's a reminder for me to trust God in the trials of my own life. 
My question to us is, what trials are you currently undergoing? And I ask that, and I want to encourage you to trust God in those trials. And through the trials, you will build faith in God. And the second lesson for us to learn today through the Bible passage is that while we may fail to have faith, God is still faithful. Right? We're not perfect beings. We may fail to have faith, God is still faithful. Well, to illustrate this point in verse 5, Sarah said, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. I hope the word laughter triggers a memory uh, in you, because a few weeks ago, we talked about this passage, which is found in chapter 18, Genesis 18, where the three visitors visited Abraham and Sarah, and the Lord told Abraham that he would have a son. On hearing that, Sarah laughed to herself, as she did not believe then. Then the Lord replied to Abraham, Is anything too hard for the Lord? I'll return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Well, from Sarah's point of view, to have a child at that age, when she is past her barren age, really doesn't make logical sense. Right? If I were in her position, I would think it's impossible to do so too. Right? Imagine a 90-year woman, or I give some discount, right? maybe at 65 years old, how is it possible when she's past the barren age to be pregnant and have a child? It doesn't make logical sense from a human point of view. But today's passage teaches us that even though Sarah had the lack of faith, or even us at this point in time when we think about the situation of our life, and it doesn't make sense and we lack that faith originally to see God's promises, God will still remain faithful and keep His promise. Here I want to read to you Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8 to 11, which talks about what's, how Sarah is viewed. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in, a in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, right, verse 11, and by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful, who had made the promise. Right, consider verse 11, as I just read just now to us, which we have just heard while the book of Genesis painted Sarah in a negative light. The book of Hebrews actually paints her as a woman of faith. Now, this means that even if we have failed to have faith originally, we can choose to have faith in God from this point onwards. From this moment onwards, we can have faith to, um, to God. And God doesn't hold our past failures against us. right? Like Sarah, who have doubted God. Every day, every moment from today onwards, from this moment onwards, it's a brand new opportunity to demonstrate faith once again. For Sarah and Abraham, maybe if, you, if I would think about it and to uh, stretch it a little bit, maybe one, one reason why God really waited so long for them to give birth to Isaac was for them to be as good as dead in inverted commas, so that Isaac's birth will be known to everyone that is a miracle of God and not a marvel of human nature. And we look, when the people around the area find out that Abraham and Sarah is pregnant and they gave birth, they will say, wow, this is an act of God. 
is by no means on their own effort. So maybe it's one reason for them to be at such a late age give birth. So again, come back to us, Amokyo family. What situation or situations in your own life is God asking you to trust Him afresh? To have that moment of faith, to put that, your faith into the situation of your life. What situation is God asking you to trust Him again? Well, maybe you have previously denied Him as Apostle Peter did. But don't forget, Jesus reinstated Peter and the promise that is found in the Bible, which we can read and, and hold on to it every single day, is God's grace and mercy are new every morning. God's grace and mercy are new every morning. In fact, I want to say God's grace and mercy are new every moment, including this moment. So it is a time for us to rest, our faith to be restored and come back to Him and put our trust in Him. So now as we continue the passage and reach a point where it truly highlights the messiness of family. Right? By no means the Bible tries to hide any of this. In fact, after Sarah gives birth to Isaac, things got ugly in the family really fast. Verse 8 tells us the children, the child grew and was weaned. And on the day Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast, probably to celebrate this wonderful occasion. But Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar, the Egyptian, had born to Abraham was mocking. So Sarah said to Abraham in verse 10, Get rid of that slave woman and her son, for that woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. The matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son. If I will stop here and I'm going to stop here and ask you one question, which is, which son do you think Abraham was greatly concerned about? Well, at this point, he had two sons, Isaac and Ishmael, right? So which son was he being con concerned about? Maybe some of us will, be, will agree with Sarah that Ishmael will take away Isaac's inheritance and Abraham should be concerned for Isaac. So you stand with Sarah's side or will you stand in Abraham's side that Sarah wants to chase them away? Because but what Sarah means by chasing them away is for asking them to die in the wilderness. They will not have a chance to live in the wilderness. So again, on one hand, Abraham had to split Isaac's inheritance with Ishmael right, when he remains in the household. On the other hand, let Ishmael and Haggai die in the wilderness. Well, here we must again give you some context and remind you that this is not um, a place where you can find a 7-Eleven nearby where there's a water source, you know, uh, as and when they, ever they want thirsty, okay, turn on the tap. This is in the wilderness. There is no 7-Eleven bar chow mi or mi pok around the corner. So, in fact, he's sending Ishmael and Haggai to die if Abraham chased them away or asked them to leave. But the Bible quickly answered this question with God's instruction to Abraham in verse 12. Well, it says, do not be so distressed about the boy and your slave woman. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you because it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. I will make the son of the slave into a nation also because he is your offspring. So basically, God was on the side of Sarah. What Abraham, after hearing these instructions in verse 14, early in the next morning, Abraham took some food and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar. He set them on her shoulders and then sent her off with the boy. 
she went on her way and wandered in the desert of Bathsheba. Right, desert, nah? not no Bathsheba or one time he found round the corner. And I believe Abraham knew what he was doing when he sent them away. Well, to him at that point of time, it might not make logical sense, right? Does it even make sense as you hear the, these words and this account of this story? Because God, in effect, is instructing him to send Hagar and Ishmael to death. Right? Then you think, why would a loving and merciful God instruct Abraham with such cruel instructions? In fact, Abraham did not even give them an animal to travel for their travel or his many servants to accompany them. Well, he could have easily done so, right? He was a wealthy man with many animals, with many servants. He easily assigned that, assigned and helped them, give them a lifeline in that sense. Why, why would... Why would God do such a thing? It doesn't make logical sense. Well, now if I ask this question to you and in your own situation, what would you do if God were to ask you to do something so irrational? What would you do if God were to ask you to do something so irrational? Maybe he's asking you to forgive your spouse who has cheated on you. Or he's asking you to forgive a family member or a friend who has cheated you of your money? Or is he asking you to forgive your boss, your supervisor, your colleague at work, who doesn't deserve your forgiveness at all because of the things he or she had done, the words he or she has said, you know, the actions that he or she had done to you at work? You know, these are illogical, irrational. It doesn't make sense to you. But God is asking you to do it. You know, there are other things God might be asking even the church to do. That doesn't make logical sense. Well, for example, our involvement to use Amokyo Hub as an outreach point at this time of the pandemic really do not make logical sense. It's not a logical decision and something we do not understand fully from the church perspective. But as leaders of the church, as pastors and staff of the church, we believe that when God called us out and gave us these instructions, He will provide for us even when the decision, even when the instructions does not make sense. And let me continue in verse 15. Because verse 15 says, When the water in the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went off and sat down about a bow shot away, for she thought, for Haggai thought, I cannot watch the boy, which is Ishmael, die. And she sat there, she began to sob. God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God called to Haggai from heaven and said to her, what is the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy cr crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. So she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. Her God was with the boy as he grew up. He lived in the desert and became an archer. While he was living in the desert of Paran, his mother got a wife for him from Egypt. Now this scene, if, again, if you remember uh, well enough, this scene of Hagar meeting God in the wilderness isn't new. 16 years ago from that time, God spoke to her beside a spring and God gave her a promise. This promise goes something like this, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. That's the promise given to Haggai by God. But in chapter 21, at that point where she was sobbing, she had forgotten this promise. 
She had forgotten this promise God had made concerning her son, Ishmael, because she thought they would both die and perish in the wilderness. You know, just like Sarah, both of them, both ladies, didn't have faith originally in God's promise. But God was still faithful. Let me show you how faithful this our God is. Not that God just quenched the thirst at that point of need, right, by opening her eyes to see the well. God also provided food and accommodation for them in the desert. How remarkable is that? Not just that, years later when Ishmael grew up, he provided a wife for Ishmael. Well, I think arranged marriage back then was quite common, right? Um, you know, the mother go down, you know, look for a wife and then have an arranged marriage. But imagine Ishmael, uh, Hagar going to Egypt and speaking to the ladies there and say, come, you know, I have a, uh, my son is willing to marry you, but you, be, you have to live in the desert. Well, how many ladies will be willing and say to, to go and live in the desert? I'm sure God had something to do with it. God provided and intervened. Well, the good news for today's passage for us, right, that we can learn from, from both Syrah and Haggai, is that even though they are not faithful at that point, they can still be faithful from a moment of faith. From the moment of faith, they can be faithful. So friends, as we face trials or needs in our life, like Haggai, we often, really often forget God's promise to us. When we pray and ask God, right, we give a list and say, Lord, this is, my, this is what is happening to me. These are my needs. You know, we open our hands and ask God, can you fulfill our needs? And we have that expectation, you know, sometimes have the expectation to receive what we think we need. Instead, can we have a different perspective? Instead, we should ask God to open our eyes to see what we already have. Open our eyes to see what we already have. And often, if we are honest with ourselves, the answer to most of our problems is often close at hand if only we have eyes to see. If only you have eyes to see. And out of all the characters in the Bible, as I just mentioned to you just now, if you ask me, I would really identify with Haggai the most. You know, like Haggai, we are wandering about aimlessly in life, not knowing maybe what to do, not knowing where to go, not knowing to be with or we are tired weary from doing the work around us you know as Singaporeans we are busy you know running from place to place working fulfilling the demands of our boss our supervisors or we are thirsty and blind to what God has provided for us we search for it but we didn't find we couldn't find or maybe like Haggai we are about this close to giving up. But in reality, friends and family, help and good news is not far away. Today, we also have a well. If our eyes are open, we see this well that provides for us living water for us to never thirst again. We have the bread of life that feed and nourish us for our souls. We have the light of the world and we do not need to fear the darkness that surrounds us. We have the Prince of Peace, especially in this time of turmoil, where we see our, we'll see our friends or family in Ukraine going through this tragic situation. We have that Prince of Peace because God has sent His beloved Son to die on the cross for us. 
Because of that act, we have full access to this well that is in front of us. If only we open our eyes to see who he really is. Horatius Bonner wrote these beautiful words. I heard the voice of Jesus say, Behold, I freely give the living water, thirsty one, stoop down and drink and live. I came to Jesus and I drank. Of that life-giving stream, my thirst was quenched, my soul revived, and now I live in Him. Wonderful words. At this point, at this moment, I want to encourage you to put your trust back in Jesus, to restore your faith in Him. Let Him revive your soul and turn to Him. Beautiful words we sang just now. Turn your eyes to Jesus. And I encourage you to turn your eyes to Jesus. Because Jesus is just a prayer away. Jesus is knocking on our hearts, asking for our hearts to be open to Him. And we can do so by receiving His promise, by through faith and patience, once again, we can allow Jesus into our hearts. So I really do not know what situation you are in in your life, what messy situation uh, in your family, in your work, in the relationships that you are facing. You're just like Abraham, Sarah, and Haggai. They were in a messy situation. They were stuck. But they hold on to God. They hold on to God. And they allow Him into their, His life. So will you allow Him into your life, into the messy situation that you are facing? So come, let's pray as we seek and hear God and open our hearts to Him. Our gracious and loving Father, as we sit and hear your words, as we watch the, our screens and hear your words, Holy Spirit, I ask that you convict the hearers, the listeners, the people here in our midst, that they will open their hearts. Lord Jesus, knock at their hearts. Convict them, speak to them in a clear manner. Allow the love of God to fill you right now. Because the love of God empowers, overcome the fear in your life. May the love of God speak into the mess that you are, that you are in right now. And hear His words, hear His commands, hear His leading. That you will rise up victorious and draw even closer to Him every single day. Every single moment, your faith will be strengthened. The Lord God be with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.